He doesn't strike me as a skier, so no. maybe he's maybe he's gone somewhere a little bit warmer. The Ben Earl hype train. I would have Marcus Smith starting for the Lions. Hello and welcome to episode number five of Scrum Fly With Me, the University of Nottingham's very own rugby podcast. My name is Jamie and I'm once again joined with Archie. Hello. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Good to be back in the uh, recording booth again. Yeah, very nice. A... It's, been a, it's been a while because we've been doing them every week. This week, just a couple of days uh, later, but it feels like, feels it's like forever, ages. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. genuinely. <clears throat> um, no rugby World Cup anymore. No, very yeah. sad. Yeah, it's all, it's all come to a climax. Yeah. Um, but rugby is still back. I mean, we've got the Premiership, and actually, on a personal <coughs> level, we uh, had our first game yesterday for three weeks. I, I think. know, bloody hell! We've been called off from for rain two weeks in a row. Yeah, it's been horrendous. But I've woken up with so many bruises and cuts. Oh, my wrists hurt. My yeah. knees are injured. Oh, it's, it's the life, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So from this week, we had uh, the round four of Gallagher Premiership rugby action. Uh, getting really into the thicker things with that, with no World Cup. That is mm. the main talking point of the podcast nowadays. Um, should we go straight into that? Yes. Yeah. Let's go for it. So on Friday, we we started off with Sale versus Gloucester. Mm-hmm. Now this week's the first one with all the rugby World Cup stars coming back. Yeah. Notably from this game, George Ford. How do you think he played? I think he managed the game really well in very wet conditions. He realised that actually we're just going to use the boot and see if we can put pressure aerially rather than with the Sounds hands. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> funny that. Down at Riverside, a lot of yeah. aerial game. But yeah, yeah I, and he obviously managed the game fantastically and able to put some points on uh, and run in a couple of tries. You know, I mean, five points. Well, they'll take that definitely. yeah and they're now sitting third in the Prem four mm. games in three mm-hmm. three wins out of four looking pretty happy yeah and their defence was unbelievable as well they mm. only missed eight tackles the whole game really yeah <clears throat> and the week right. before they missed 16 so you see you know the difference there I guess perhaps it wasn't as much of a ball in hand game you know Gloucester couldn't really get it to their wingers either mm. they struggled a bit as well but I think, yeah, I think they defended really well and that's almost where they were able to attack from. Yeah, and for them to score three or four tries, I think it was four tries, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, think um, I, th- I think that comes down to having two playmakers in mm-hmm. Ford and Rob Dupree as well, pushing yeah. him back out to 13. Definitely. He, he's such a threat from there. Even when he's been playing at 10, it's like it's so nice to see Sale have two playmakers yeah. now. And I thought Gus War again, had another good game. We mentioned him two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, he's, he's one of the on the fringes of the England squad if we didn't yeah. have so many scrum out. 100%. And and him to linking up with Ford again, obviously Ford coming back this week, was a, it was a fantastic partnership. They knew where each other were perfectly and Ford was able to call it. And well, I think Ward, Ward did a really good job of controlling the breakdown and, and getting the fours where he needed them to be. He's got some luscious blonde locks, does similar well. to yours, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> him and Faf not looking too similar. No, so we started quite quite a good game uh, Friday night. Sale beating Gloucester. Uh, we'll qu- quickly touch on Gloucester. They're sitting... Pretty low in the prem now. Mm. Uh, obviously had a good start. Zach Mercer, we thought he'd be he'd be the man of the season when they uh, yeah. when they beat Gloucester by a point in that opening game. Yeah, but, but um, uh, the Harlequin, sorry. Um, but no, they, unfortunately they just can't seem to get the ball rolling, can they? No, I think they they didn't look great creative creatively um, in attack. They didn't look like they were going to put any points on on sale in great numbers. So I think that's kind of let them down a bit. And yeah, Mercer just looked pretty redundant mm. on Friday night. Like he couldn't get the ball, he couldn't make any mar- yards where he has the, the weeks before. You know, He's got the ball and every time he's got over the gain line. This week he just 
it, it, once or twice, if that. You know, it, it didn't look like he was able to, to put, get any front foot ball. As I mentioned, that that game against Harlequins when they won by one point to start the season, him and um, Lewis Lud, Ludlow were so Ludlow. fantastic over over the ball, um, just securing everything. So it was quick ball for for the nine and ten, but. I, we, we just can't really see that from Gloucester no. at the moment. But I think travelling to Sale is a difficult one because mm. they're they're really good at the moment. Obviously, last year, um, getting into the playoffs, and then this year, you know, they started really well. They've got their uh, internationals coming back, so I think travelling up to there is is a difficult game. Obviously, in the wet, you know, it, it's not ideal. So, I think for for Gloucester, it's almost just let's forget about that and move on to next week because yeah. you can always you always build from a loss. I think. More, more than a win sometimes. Absolutely. Well, talking about a team who cannot buy a win at the moment, we move on to Quinn's Falcons. Now, Harlequin's beaten Newcastle Falcons 40-12. to 12. Mm. Um, Newcastle, the only team yet to win this season. What do you think about them? I don't, I don't really know what, where to start, really. They yeah. don't look like they've got anything going for them in, in great quantities of uh, attack or defence, really. It's a shame, really, because they have such X-factor players. I yeah. mean, Mateo Carreras and Adam Rad- Radwan out wide is just an electric duo, um, and they just can't seem to get the ball to them. Well, Carreras, uh, I saw a stat that he beat the uh, most number of defenders this week, and yet they still got absolutely smashed. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's difficult for them to, to actually put, piece anything together. And I think... You know, Quinn's just outplayed them. Quinn's defence were really good. Absolutely. And then, then attacking-wise... you know, Speaks for itself, doesn't it? Exactly. And well, even with Marcus Smith not starting... You've got Jared Evans knocking on the door exactly. now. Exactly. And they, he was able just to, to feed the hands and play a game that suited Quinn's really, really well. That's two games in a row where he's really shone. And it's mm. a shame because ultimately Smith's going to come back and take the starting 10 spot. But it's so nice to see... When we don't have these international X Factor players playing in the Prem, there's players coming through and mm. finding their feet. And Jared Evans is a great example of that. But did you see Tyrone Green's try? I did. That unbelievable. was unbelievable. Well, I mean, uh, Lewis Lyon had scored one, you know, 15 minutes before, which was equally as good. Yeah, and then, and then Green goes and does that. Yeah, like. I just thought Harlequins were. Uh, we're going to talk about other teams that obviously. I think, I think um, Saracen scored 40 points it's or near thereabouts. Mm. But I think Quinns were the best side this weekend. Just from their offload game, watching it, it was so exciting to watch. All the players knew how to offload and knew where the runners were going to be, and the lines that some of them took was brilliant. And you see Don Brandt's try; it was pass off nine, then offload, offload, offload. Don Brandt goes through, um, and he scored. And it's just it's so good. The little pops in in between, and people running through just a tiny gap, and yet they get through. It was so exciting yeah, to watch. It's like the quick ball of lockdown Quins, isn't yeah, it? Where yeah, they exactly. where they just tore people apart, tore defenses apart with just that quick ball. Um, but it's so good to see Smith back in back in that team. Mm. Obviously, Danny Care back in this week as well. Um, that Harlequins team is looking looking really good. Yeah, obviously when, sitting second in the Prem. So yeah, when they get front football, no team's going to be able to stop them. I don't no. think. I think Newcastle obviously aren't the the greatest outfit in the league. And Harlequins, well, they didn't give them a sniff for sixty minutes because they just had front football the whole first half and then half of the second half. Uh, Newcastle. From there, you're never going to get back, really. I mean, they scored a couple of late-minute tries, but other than that, there wasn't much going for them. And it's a shame for Newcastle, because as we said, they've got such good players. And to to be in this position, the same as the last few years, where they're just at the bottom and able to buy a win, it's like, where do you go from here? Mm. Um, And it it is a shame, because the, the quality that they have is... 
you'd expect somewhat better. Um, mm. But all credit to a team like Quinns for putting 40 points on them is uh, very impressive. Yeah, are Newcastle in a real state of worry at the moment? I would say so. I would say so. As, as far as when you're looking at the table, I mean, it's a shame that we've only got 10 teams this year. Mm. But even still, you, you look at the 10 and you can't, you can't put anyone below them. Um, which is a shame, but yeah, it's like where do you go from here? So, you think that they're they're going to be rock bottom come April? Well, no wins four games in, and with all these all these star players returning to the other teams, you, yeah. you can't really see much for them. It looks tough. What they I think they need to do is just make their home um, a little bit of a fortress. Yeah, a bit, because we saw I think it was was it last week or the week before where Saints went up there and it just absolutely rained the whole 80 minutes and we just pipped a win yeah only just it was and that was the kind of scrappy game that Newcastle need to go look we need to win these games because that they're so tight and they're the ones that will get you points in the league and once you get one win you can get two wins and then you became you got five games unbeaten at home and there you are look you, you're not rock bottom and you're not going to get relegated well speaking of Saints survived another late scare yeah um, 24-18 with another game-winning turnover at the at the dying embers like literally mm. seconds to go on the clock um against a strong bath side um and it's good to see saints get uh, get two wins on the bounce making the gardens a little bit of the fortress yeah 100 um, percent. yeah to talk sort of thoughts on that well I, I thought that um the saints defense really was a lot stronger than it had has been for well that whole of this season and probably most of last season uh, and as you say good turnovers um, at the end from uh, Sam Graham I think it was and I thought Tom Pearson played really well as well oh, he's, he's so good to have isn't he yeah, yeah. he young, was electric young player of the year last year I didn't even realise that till mm. I was looking at the start, the start yeah. of the year but. and he's coming to this uh, Saints team and obviously he's played whilst the internationals were away and then even when Lewis Ludlam coming back in I think uh, Pearson outshone him on Saturday I thought he stepped up his game and obviously Ludlam did, did, does what he does best but I thought Pearson actually said look you've come back into the team yeah you're ca- captain obviously you're going to start but actually we've got a bit of pressure on you from the other side of the flank it's very nice to see us have a bit of back row depth now yeah. with Laws 100%. Ludlow and Pearson uh, Ludlam, sorry, and Tom Pearson. I mean, we're 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 looking okay. And yeah, we're sitting pretty in fourth or fifth in the league at the moment. Oh yeah, after two wins. no wins after two, I was mm. a little bit worried, and then now you know two from two, it's it's looking all right. Yeah, and of course George Hendy's try, your old mate. Uh-huh. Uh, that yeah. was that was a brilliant uh, training training ground routine, I'd say. It was. Well, I saw, I was just uh, sort of watching the game and. Um, saw that line out I thought look this is where Saints are so good they because, thrive don't yeah, they? they love attacking rugby they love uh, setting off the set piece and scoring when you're within the 22 and they just did that perfectly mm. little inside ball through the gap what more do you I want? think those strike moves win or win or lose the game they mm-hmm. define the game yeah. um, and to, to see them come off like that is, is very impressive I thought um uh, Tom James had a good game as well he's playing fantastically this yeah year. he's re- really shining uh, with no Mitchell at the moment he's Really filling his boots. Um, yeah, exactly. He's a quick ball, quick ball player nine, and of course, when you got Finn Smith there, who wants to get everyone involved, he's so good to have at nine. And I thought it was the the forward runs off nine were perfect. So you'd see them set up, and they wouldn't be in a pod; they'd they'd be in a line, and then James would find one of the three along the line, like and it'd a be, staggered. Yeah, and yeah. it'd be a perfect pass. 
and he'd be able to literally in a split second see where the possible gap was and give it to one of those three and I just thought that was brilliant and uh, yeah as well as that he doesn't shy away from the support line as well no when he when he's fed it to the forwards and they break through he's always there yeah. and waiting for the offload a little pop inside under the, the post you, you know go. that one don't you <laughs> of course <Yeah. laughs> been there a couple of times no but it's good to see uh, good to see Saints two on the bounce uh, moving on to another team who well, are, well, I just want to talk about oh, Bath just a, just a tiny bit I mean they, they didn't look like they were that ex- they looked a bit lackluster. They, they were, they? yeah. Without Finn Russell, I don't know if there's too much going for them. No, I mean Orlando Bailey. I think he's 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 coming into his own a little bit, but I just think it's too early to throw him into a setup like that. Hundred percent, especially he, at fly half. You know, he made a couple of mistakes. Did you see it missing the shot clock? I did. I know that's just errors that you can't make yeah. in uh, a game as close as this, a six-point game. You know, if you get the extra points, you know, you, you never know where it could go. So yeah. I think he was, yeah, a little bit just off off one or two paces. But ben Spencer comes on and he really um, takes charge, even mm. as a scrum half. He really sets the tone, which I think Bath were missing for the predominance of that yeah. game. Yeah, I think when Russell's back, him and Ben Spencer will be very good. It's for a them. very experienced duo. Yeah, 100%. Very and uh, a lot of playmaking opportunity from there. But before. You know, whilst Russell's on holiday or wherever he is, um, <laughs> enjoying himself. Exactly. It's it's not. You know, it hasn't got a brilliant uh, future in case you know Russell gets injured or something like that. I think that's something that they've got to potentially work on. Yeah, it's probably in the Scottish Highlands, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. Where, I think he was on holiday. I just it's a bit weird. You know, he played last week yeah. and then went on holiday this week. He doesn't strike me as a skier, so no. maybe he's maybe he's gone somewhere a little bit warmer. Yeah, searching for the sun, which I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Um, similar to Saints, another team who are two wins on the bounce, Saracens. Mm. Now, obviously, they've got an absolute abundance of X-Factor players just come back into the team after the Rugby World Cup. And it's shown. Their results have completely turned around from yeah. that first game against Exeter. And they've managed to put 30 points on a strong Tigers side. Yeah, I thought they, again, alongside uh, Harlequins, were one of the better teams of the weekend. Uh, they just looked, all the international players coming in, looked like they were they knew what they were doing uh, straight away and sometimes it takes a couple of weeks for them to get back into the groove and find the mould of the Saracens team but you know half of them play together anyway in, exactly in, in the England team it's so. about six or seven of them who yeah. come straight from that England start and, 15 you know Etoje and Ben Earl in the loose in the in in the forwards was just unbelievable I thought Itoje in particular had a phenomenal game obviously yeah. got his try and the leadership at, at the breakdown and uh, in, in Malls as well he's yeah. just he's so, such a threat which is annoying because I haven't seen that for England for I a know. long time I think he's I think he's reaching a second peak because against Argentina and against South Africa I think he was really coming into his own yeah that's um, a good point obviously alongside George Martin who's who had an absolute breakout game he kind of had to live up to that mm-hmm. um as the experienced second row and one of our most experienced forwards. But I really think he's reaching a second peak now. Uh, over the last few games, he's just been amazing. Yeah, and it shows that he is now one of the most experienced forwards in the Saracens team, and he's the, probably the pack leader, I, I, I would uh, would guess. And so, you know, having that power um, and also leadership role is perfect for him, and I think he sort of thrives on that. He Absolutely. goes, look... Obviously, I'm telling you what to do, but also I'm going to do what I've said. It sets so, the standard, yeah. doesn't it? So, as well as following what I say, follow what I do. I think that's the case for England as well, because obviously now with the retirement of Courtney Laws, and I'm sure a few others will follow, Itoje is really that, that central figure over than mm. Tom Curry, who has been around that team for a while. Him, Jamie George, Tom Curry, 
maybe Dan Cole as well if he kicks around for a few more years. But you, you can't really see him uh, see him throwing the throwing the boots on anymore, can you? <laughs> no, Especially really. at an England level. I think he might might be done. Yeah, it could be. Well, um, four World Cups, we'll give it to him. Mm. But no, um, I think Sarri's um, really really coming into their own now. Obviously, two wins on the bounce, and they're just looking scary again. Yeah, I mean, you, but you know, ball in hand and in defence, they looked almost untouchable. Just fantastic, well disciplined, yeah. and obviously Farrell, he's he's playing at the top of his game, which is. As, a, as an England fan, obviously amazing to see. As a Northampton fan, horrible to see. <laughs> yeah, and it was a bit unfortunate for Leicester, you know, the, the game that all the internationals come back are mm. an away game to Saracens. So I, I still, think. Yeah, I still thought they played well. Yeah, though. I think they did have good sparks um, of life throughout the halves. But, you know, when Saracens are playing that well, mm. it, it, they're, as I said, they're almost untouchable. Absolutely. Jamie Shilcock scored a fantastic solo try mm-hmm. yeah. um, weaved in and out of that defence for a good 40 metres yeah. and obviously he kicked his conversions as well but um, other than that Leicester just they're, they're missing the spark this year they really are Yeah, I mean people crying out Leicester fans crying out oh where's Andre Pollard but obviously I think he's probably having a well deserved rest yeah. after like, a handful you, you of World Cup games him, can you? Yeah. but I think Shilcock did, did fine I think he managed the game relatively well uh, and, and, as you say, had a couple of bright sparks in it, which does show a decent amount for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and going into our final game of the Gallagher Premiership this weekend, an absolute thriller on Sunday, which saw Chiefs just about beat Bristol 29-20. Yeah, that was a really exciting one, wasn't it? Uh, it was almost just try against try against try, you Back know, both forth. ways. Uh, there was, what, six tries in the first 45 minutes? It was unbelievable. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but neither team looked like they were going to get away. They were both teams were say say quite level to each other. You know the defence was matching the attack most of the time, and we've seen in that first game Exeter where they scored sixty points on Saracens. It was all through the backs. It was Henry Slade and, and Josh Hodge. Uh, yeah, but this game it was back to the old uh, Exeter of once you get within ten metres of the line, it's just a pick and go, pick mm. and go, pick and go through the forwards. And you're somehow you're gonna get over. Well, which... we, we funny enough, we have a call at home where Exeter is the forwards <laughs> picking O call, yeah. which speaks for itself because Exeter just thrive <laughs> off that. It's just so well known, exactly. And I think at least three of their tries, if not potentially all of them, came from um, came from the pick and go. And you know, when you can do that, you've got enough power in the forwards to break the line and get just one extra meter. You're gonna get over the try line yeah. and score. Some tries. And having a look at Bristol, they played a fantastic brand of rugby. I yeah. mean, Callum Sheedy with a hat trick of crossfield kicks to Rich Lane for uh, for three unbelievable finishes. I like. think yeah, that, that was so good to watch. And I, I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't actually win because you could have done with the fourth. They deserved <laughs> to. And yeah, I thought Sheedy was probably we, there was a lot of decent fly halves in the week, but he almost shone above the rest as uh, as, as one of the standout. Uh, even though they didn't win yeah even though they didn't win because uh, both in attack and defence he was fantastic with the boot and then with ball in hand as well it just knew where when to do various decisions I've always liked the combination of Sheedy and Harry Randall I think they complement each other really Mm. well because Randall's always trying to play quick ball and then Sheedy's obviously trying to trying to pick out his wingers as get it wide as quickly as possible. It reminds me of a Danny Kerr, Marcus Smith kind of Yeah, duo. it does. Like an exciting brand of rugby, yeah. rather than like a, a Farrell and Van Zale or a Farrell and Davis, where they're, they're trying to really pick out the forwards and mm. run through the middle. Yeah, well, that's the thing. With Sheedy, it's such quick decision-making, but at the same time, it looks like he's got so much time on the ball. 
because at least two of those kicks, you know, it, I think it came to him behind, and the defence was only he a meter a lot away. Of space for himself yeah, in uh, such tight scenarios. Only a meter away, but still, he put one was a grubber, and then one was over the top, and I was just like, that's brilliant because he's managed to make the decision making so quick, and then execute the skill of the kick over the top. And actually, yeah, um, Rich Lane was class. You know, scored a hat trick of, of what walking slash catchings. Uh, you know, I think uh, that was very promising from from him as well. Yeah, and obviously Bristol have got Max Malins coming back. Um, he's going to be a big feature for them this season. Yeah. Um, obviously, we saw what he did at Saracens last year, finishing um, just short of Caden Murley's top try record. But I mean, he's a he's such a threat to have. He's got to go onto the wing, I think. Mm. Um, I think rather than fullback. Yeah, I think Rich Lane can. I think he can stay at fullback. Because yeah. to be fair, actually, he was in attack. He he moved onto the wing a bit anyway, mm. rather than you know coming in as a as a Bowden Barrett fifteen where he's the second Gets playmaker. On the ball. He was more at the wing, uh, moving over anyway. So I think, yeah, if you have Malins on the wing as well, I think that makes it a bit more X factor for Bristol. Yeah. Um. Quickly touching on the round. Uh, the round four of the Prem this season. Can you pick out a player of the round? Oh, that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, I think there was there was decent players in all the games, um, and potentially, I'd look at um, either the Saris or the Quins games, just because they were the teams that I thought played exceptional rugby. Potentially, I could go for Atoje. Yeah, I thought he was yeah. We, we just wax lyrical about him, but he was he was <laughs> Could up, do it all day, he was we? immense, just unbelievable relentlessness in the malls, in the rucks. You got a charge down, you know. He almost did everything that a second row slash almost a flanker that he plays in open play needed to do, and he executed them really well he got a try as well you know yeah. almost signals it out have you got you got anyone else that could potentially be the one that springs to mind is Jared Evans for mm-hmm. Quinns I mean to, for them to score 40 points and him being the focal point of the attack yeah. even before Smith came on with 20 to go he was just fantastic um, and it's really good to see that they've re- really established him Jared Evans as a great backup for Smith now mm. um, because as we know Smith's just going to come in and take the 10 role but um, yeah, I thought he's he's really coming into his own over the last few games, and he's he's a very good weapon to have, even if he's just off the bench. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we'll see how that leaves the table. As you say, Harlequins um, and Exeter and Sale all on three wins out of four, which uh, which is decent, and they've almost well, they definitely deserved it, and uh, and you know various bonus points flying around as well. Exeter three from three wins, which is which is really impressive. Um, but then Newcastle down at the bo- bottom with no points, and then Leicester just above. I'm very surprised Leicester are, are down there. Oh, I can I can see it though because they they're just missing some missing some of their stars. Mm. I mean, as soon as Pollard comes back, I'm sure that ship's going to be turned around. Yeah. But even still, they they're missing their both their scrum halves in Van Portfleet to injury and Ben Youngs are just coming off his fourth World yes. Cup. Um, which, which will just limit their structure so much having their two first choice scrum halves missing. Mm. Um, as well in the forwards, Jasper Visa. Um, obviously, he's not there. Um, Montojo is he back now? Mm, I think he might have been. Might be because the Argentines were back in uh, in yeah. the other teams. But even still, you, you look through that team. They've got George Martin, Oli Chesham still to come, and it's yeah. like they've got so many fantastic players who just haven't featured yet this year. Yeah, that is a, that's a good point. Um, I think that yeah, they've got a decent chance in the second half of the season. But there's only 18 games this year. Mm. You know, uh, they've already played four, so you know, 14 games to go. It's, it's crazy. It's isn't not. It? It's not a long yeah, season. So. 
to turn a ship around, you really need to get on it ASAP, I mm. think. Um, and of course, you know, coming into February and March, there'll be Six Nations as well, so the squads will be depleted once again. I mean, there'll be a bit of Premiership Cup, but um, yeah, the, the Prem games they do play, they'll still be without internationals. So this, the, I don't know, does this table sort of resemble potentially what it might be at the end of the season? I feel like Saracens probably Yeah, need to, you, you need to throw them in as the anomaly at, yeah. at the top. But, Down at um, seventh, they don't deserve at the moment to be there. But you, you look at that top three, Exeter, Harlequins and ba- uh, Sale, and you can't really look past them. Mm. They've all played fantastically. They have an exciting brand of rugby. Um, they have a devout leader, all three. Obviously, you've got Henry Slade, who's playing fantastic prex to at the yeah. moment, really showing why he should have been picked in that England squad. <laughs> um, obviously, you've got um, George Ford knocking on the door for sale now, and then when Smith's back, it, he'll be uh, leading that Harlequins team. Yeah. But um, other, than, other than Sarries, you look at that top three and you can't really argue with it. Well, I'm very surprised that Exeter are there. You know, top of the table, most points, and also a points difference of 99. Obviously, a lot of that coming from the 60 points they put on Saracens in the first week. But they didn't look that sharp last season. You know, coming mid-table and sort of equaling out their wins and losses. I'm actually surprised that they've come out of the blocks this yeah. quickly and got three from four. I think the fixtures have definitely been favourable to them. They've yeah. got that tough Saracens fixture out of the way already. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's it's proven for them. They're, they're 60 points against Saracens, like... You can't argue with it, can you? And for, the, for them to be top of the table now, it's, it's thoroughly deserved, yeah. even if they didn't have the best year last year. Definitely. And then, so in the various mid-table now, we've got Bath, Northampton, Bristol, as we said, Saracens, and then Gloucester, all on two, two, two wins out of four. Uh, which of those do you think, come the end of the season, are going to be pushing for that top four, uh, alongside potentially, we've already said, Saracens? got to bring a bit of bias into it, don't you? It's <laughs> got to be Northampton. Um, I, I think we're, um, we as in Northampton, I, I think they're finding our feet. Uh, even with Tom James at nine rather than Mitchell, as we've touched upon. Yeah. Um, and our squad depth this year, I think it's fantastic. We've got players like George Handy coming right through the ranks, mm-hmm. um, taking over from people like James Ram, who are always getting a little knocks here yeah. and there. But, um, Fragile. I, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think we're, uh, we're in good stead. I think our, our depth is there, and I, I think another top four push could be, could be on the cards. Yeah, it would be good, actually, because... Northampton are always there and there about, aren't they? Fourth or fifth, and either they just miss out or then they go to the... the just in and then get bullied by yeah, Saris. That's, know, the, but that's the old classic. If It's the defence. If they work on the defence throughout the year and then get top four, I think there's certainly a chance. Because you can't go into a playoff semi-final with a lacklustre defence. Yeah. You're just going to get ruined. Well, you know Saints are going to score tries. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The, the top try scorer in the league last year and probably for the last few years. Um, but it's, it's a case of defence, as you say, and... Obviously, defence wins matches, and if we can build on that, which we are looking like we are, mm-hmm. um, obviously against Bath, the winning, game-winning turnover on, on our own five-metre line, so we're getting there, but yeah. uh, we, we shall see. Exactly. Um, it'll be very exciting to see how the table sort of moves, because as the internationals come in and out, it, it almost anyone can beat anyone. It's a, it's a, it's a great league to watch, um, and we'll be each week keeping you updated on, on the various games. Uh, but now we're going to go into a quiz. Um, before we get to the final part of the show, and this week it's going to be on the Premiership, uh, as we're, this is the league we're focusing on this week, and we're going to do it on the Premiership finals. So um, there's been, what, 22 of them, I think? 21. 21, 21, yeah. So, um, so all those games that have uh, been a battle for whoever wins the Premiership. Uh, five questions each. Uh, do you want to say them first, and then I can go Go say. on, then. You can answer first. Okay, no. So, here we go. We'll start off with. 
uh, a very Owen Farrell related question. Ooh. How many Gallagher Prem finals has Owen Farrell played in? Ooh, that's a very good question. Yeah, gotta do some maths here. And ah, uh, so last season, not the season before that, or the season before that, because I think they were relegated those two, or at least they didn't play. And then one at the year before. Uh, ooh, potentially two more before that. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say oh, three or four. I'm gonna say four. It's actually eight. It's actually eight. Yeah, you look at the longevity of his career. His first one was in 2011. Um, uh, all for Saracens. All for Saracens. They, they've they've been in eight finals wow. in the last in the last 14 years. Can wow. you believe it? That is unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, uh, Aaron Farrell eight. Finals in that is France. very impressive. Very impressive. Um, question number two. As we have mentioned, there have been 21 specific finals. Mm-hmm. How many winners have there been? Like how many seasons, effectively, have there been of the Gallagher Premiership? So in, so, so in 2002, 2003, yeah, yeah. it changed to finals. Uh-huh. But before that, and in total, how many different seasons have there been of the top flight of England yeah. okay and I'll give you it to the nearest five so 21 plus from 2002 how far has it gone back uh, probably to maybe the mid 80s when they started doing the Rugby World Cup something like that so let's say uh, 37 37 38 I'm going to give it you 36. 36? Yeah. Oh. I, said, I said you'd be in the nearest five. You're in the ne- nearest, nearest one or two there. Yeah, yeah. So, so when did it start? 80... 87, 87. I think. 87, yeah. Um, the first... That was the World first Cup. season. Oh, okay. That was a bit, of a bit of a long-winded question, but yeah. I'm glad you got there. Yeah. Uh, one from two. So question number three. We've just talked about them for quite a while. What year did Exeter last win the Gallagher Prem? Oh, now I know it's in the last five years, I'm pretty sure. But, oh, when is it? I think it might have been, was it, I think it was COVID year. So was it, or 19, either 1920 or 2020? I'm going to go for 1920. You are correct. Yeah. Do you remember who they beat? Uh, was it? Was this it, isn't a question, by the way. Was it Leicester? It was Wasps. Oh, yeah. probably the so last time they've the been the start of their downfall yeah probably. I think so because they, they used to have such a good team there like Marlin Yard back yeah. in the day and all, all the boys Jimmy Gofford pulling the strings absolutely I yeah well god what's he doing now yeah. he's retired surely he, I think he played last season for he Leicester he did he played for Leicester didn't he, he played, one game he was playing fly off the other game he was playing <laughs> on the wing I'm pretty but, sure he's retired because he's about 42 now yeah he's getting I think on he bit, must, have, he? must have hung up those boots yeah um, speaking of Leicester legends Freddie Burns is infamous for his game-winning drop goal in the 2021-22 final. What team does he now play for? Oh. I'll give you a clue. Is it? They play in Super Rugby. They play in Super Rugby. And this is question number four. I remember this is quite a shock because everyone went, Freddie Burns, why has he gone there? Because he left mid-season, didn't he? Yeah. I have a feeling it could be... Is it the Crusaders? It's the Highlanders. It's the Highlanders. Highlanders, yeah. I uh, thought it was so out there that it could potentially be the Crusaders, but yeah. the Highlanders. Okay. Sitting behind Richie Moranga. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's a, so rogue. <laughs> Freddie Burns somehow is... Uh, yeah. Playing with, playing with him. Second fiddle. 
Um, well, two from four, and now our final question. Um, obviously, Archie and I are both Northampton Saints fans. Mm-hmm. They won it in 2013-2014 season. But the year before, we got to the final. Can you remember who beat us? Oh, no. I was having a look at this earlier for my questions, and I saw that, yeah, we got to it twice. Oh, who was it? For some reason... I've got three teams in my head and it's probably neither of them. Rattle them off. I'm either thinking Leicester, Exeter or um, Wasps. One of those three teams is the correct Is it? Oh, I'm no. not going to tell you which one. I have a feeling, although they weren't, were they even that good? I think it, I'm just going to go with Exeter. Just off. Leicester. No, it was Leicester. It was oh. Leicester, yeah. I think that was their 10th Prem title. Uh the one before their 11th one, which was when Freddie Burns got the kit. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that, that was their glory days back then. They, they, they were winning them every other season. I think they got... Did they do nine in a row of the finals? So, even something more than that. Something crazy like that. But mm. I know they've won 11, 11 titles in total. Yeah. But yeah, they just picked us to it. Well, they, that was actually a good quiz. Cause yeah. A little bit of um, facts there. A few curveballs as well. If like, I didn't know, then uh, now I do. Well, two from five. It's not, not the end of the world. Yeah, I'll okay. take it. Let's see how I can do. Go right, uh, five questions coming up. A couple of them, I think I think you should be able to get them. In fact, I might have done six, actually. But we'll see. Um, <laughs> Bonus question. Yeah, so number one. What is the highest points difference in a Premiership final? Points difference? Yes. Oh goodness me! Um, I can tell you the highest points, and that was Harlequins a few few mm. years ago when it was forty thirty eight or something like that. Yes. Um, but points difference. Again, I could probably give you within five because it's, it's almost a guess, but unless yeah. unless you do know it, I'm gonna go with. I'm just gonna say a thirty point difference. So it's thirty six. Oh, just off. Which was in the first season in two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Who who were the players? So Wasps and Gloucester. Right. Wasps won thirty nine three. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, bit of a bit of a smash. Bit of a landslide. <laughs> I don't know. I would not want to be in that Gloucester changing room after that. No, you don't know what you do really. No, absolutely not. Um, okay. Retire the club. <laughs> yeah, hang the boots up, lads. Uh, so question two, which is the only team to have never lost a Premiership final? So have never lost. Yeah. Right. So, obviously, Saints have lost to Leicester. Saris have lost. Sale have lost. Um, Wasp have lost. Exeter have lost. Quinns maybe. Um, don't think London Irish have won. I think Newcastle might have won once. Oh, for me, it's between Newcastle and Quinns. I'm going to say Newcastle. So it is it is Harlequins. Oh, they've got there twice and won twice. Wow, I should have backed it. Newcastle have never got to the final. Have they not? No. Oh, I thought they I thought they had back in the day. Yeah, so did I. You yeah. know, um, Johnny pulling the strings. I know. Yeah, so Quinns in 2011-12 and then again in 2021. Wow. Yeah. It, was, it, it, was, it seemed too obvious. Mm. Like, well, it was sale until they... Lost. Until lost this year. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, number three. What's the highest number of tries ever in a Premiership final? Oh, goodness me. Testing me on my numbers here. Um, I'm going to say, let's do some thinking here. How many tries would Harlequins have scored if they had got 40 points? Smith's going to have converted a few. I'm going to guess seven. 
It is 11. It is that 11. game. It is the 40 points to 38. Oh, did you mean both teams? Yeah, both teams. Oh, I was thinking on one team. Oh, no. no. So, uh, yeah. I get you, I get you. 11 in total. I don't know if it was sort of 6-5 or... It, it was close. It was 40-38, the final score. Yeah, there yeah. was so many points and just went back and forth all the time. Um, okay, uh, number four. Not doing too well here. Well, this is you got three chances here. Right. This one, uh, only three players have scored in a Premiership final for multiple teams. Okay. Can you name one, two, or three of them? Right. So, players that have played in a lot of finals, longevity. I'm thinking someone like Mike Brown. He springs to mind as a longevity kind of player. Not Mike Brown. Not, do I get two more guesses? Yes. Yeah, two yeah. more guesses. Um, let's have a think. Wigglesworth. No, not not Wigglesworth. Oh goodness, uh, I could be in trouble here. Um, I think about longevity English players, and <laughs> they were the, they were the two bankers. But they are all uh, English. All English. Okay, let's let's have a proper think about this. So, try score. So it's gonna be it's probably gonna be wingers. Um, yeah, it, any point scorers. Any point scorers. Oh, I'm gonna. Guess, God, I, I can't, I can't think of anyone. Well, let um, me give you a clue. These are all uh, players who would take penalties or conversions. Oh right, okay. Um, so for that, and, reason, and a push. One of them is at a push. At a push. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't. I can't. Can't think of. Many fly halves to play for two teams. Go on, we'll, we'll just go for the one I've got in mind, George Ford. It is indeed George oh, Ford. One of them. Fantastic. For Sale and for Leicester. Uh, the other two are Elliot Daly. Right. For Wasps and Makes for sense. Saracens. Saris, yeah. And then Charlie Hodgson. Okay. Back in the day for yeah. Saracens and Sale Sharks. No, I'm 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 glad I got the Ford one. I, I was yeah. I was stipulating because obviously he scored points for uh, for Sale in in this prem mm-hmm. final, but. Whether we did it for Leicester all those years ago, I just I just couldn't work out. We did all Bath, but obviously Bath didn't. Yeah, Bath didn't make it. Didn't make it. But yeah, no. Uh, George Ford, Daly, and Hodgson. We'll take the one point. There we go. There's one point. Um, who has played? I have actually done six. So this is the penultimate question. Okay. Uh, who's played the most minutes in Prem Finals? Most minutes in Prem Finals. Mm. Okay. Um, it's it's got to be a Saris player, surely. Um, it is indeed a Saracens player. Saracens player. Now, when thinking about longevity, I could say Richard Wigglesworth again. And I'm going to do it. Is it Richard Wigglesworth? It's not Richard oh, Wigglesworth. Oh, goodness me. And it's not it? Owen Farrell either. Because when you said that question, yeah. I think this player has also had the same number of appearances as Farrell. Is it Daly? No, because he's been. He wasn't at Saracens oh, of course, back, yeah. back at the start. It's, uh, it's Alex Good. Oh, he sprung to mind, you know. Because, he did. Yeah, because he doesn't get taken off. No, Obviously, he doesn't. You know, Farrell, that fullback shirt is his. Exactly, and he just stays in that for 80 minutes. Wow. All oh, the time. That is, yeah, I should have got that. That's a... um, okay, this is a, a final one. It's pretty guessable because it's not something that... A little just... bonus question. Yeah, bonus question. Um, who, uh, Which non-English nationality has been represented the most in Premiership Finals, so the number of players in yeah. that nationality um, in Prem Finals. Prem Finals, right. Let's have a think about recent times. We have 
a bit of Argentinians, in, uh, a bit of Argentinian in the Sale team um, and in the Saris team, but I don't know whether they've got a, a rich enough history of Prem final players. I think it's going to be a home nation. I'm just going to say Wales because they're springing to mind. I'm going to say Wales. Yeah. It's uh, it's not Wales. It's actually South Africa. Oh, goodness. they've nearly got fifty players. Fifty in the prem finals. Wow, yeah. that's is... more than I thought. I, I was thinking in the realms of twenty or thirty. I know. For so that's averaging more than two per two yeah. new players per prem final, which you know that's surprised a, that's a fantastic me. Fantastic stuff. Where did you find that one? Um, I just looked up various prem like stats from previous years and yeah. then added on the ones that have been recently. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, I think New Zealand was second in the 30s. Right. Um, so, uh, and then it sort of went down the other other home nations. But I guess, you know, the Welsh players play in, in Wales. Yeah. A lot of them. yeah, true. Yeah, that, was a, that was a bit of a blatantly obvious one. But yeah, you uh, you picked me on that quiz, which is, uh, which is fair enough. You're... To be fair, I quite enjoyed making it as well. Yeah, it's, it's quite different doing a Prem one. After, after four weeks of Rugby World Cup related content, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's quite nice to mix things up. Um, so that's all of our Prem content today. And we're going to finish today's podcast with a segment on the British and Irish Lions. Mm. Now, this week, the British and Irish Lions Twitter account tweeted a fan-made team if we were to play right now. Obviously, the tour isn't for another two years, so uh, well, 18 months or so, but I don't know why they're making this so early. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I guess, as they say, it's, it's on the here and now, so it's, it, you don't look forward to go, oh... In a couple of years, this player won't be around. So it is, it is the build-up's already started. Yeah, straight after the World Cup. Yeah. So we're going to run through the team and almost ridicule it, picking out our players that we would keep and players that we would change. So let's start with the front row. Arch, who have they gone for? So they've gone for Andrew Porter and Tyke Furlong as the props, and then Dan Sheehan as hooker. So a full Irish front row. Yeah, full Irish front row. Uh, personally, I'll, I'll just say, I d- to be fair, I don't really have too much to argue with this. I think Dan Sheehan is pretty nailed on there. There are not really that many hookers that could combat it. I think if potentially if Cowan Dickey had played in the World Cup and been fit and had excelled, then he could have had a shout. But I think after the year that Dan Sheehan had, got into the Dream Team, um, the World Rugby Dream Team, so I think can't really argue with that, and Andrew Porter as well is fine. Mm. Tyg Furlong, we did chat about this last week. You know, it's, it's not been a fantastic Tyg Furlong year by his standards, but he did get 73% of the vote, which surprised me. And yeah. I, I, I can't think of that many other players that could fit into that position. Well, the name that I had was Thomas Francis. Obviously, he had a great World Cup for mm. Wales, they, they were fantastic in the scrum. Um, and I, 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 having said having said, Ty Furlong's such a good player, and he, he's just been off the pedestal for a few years, hasn't yeah. he? I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of him, and what he's done for Ireland, especially in the Six Nations over the last two years, has been exemplary. Yeah. Um, but for, for for nowadays and looking forward to the future, do you reckon he's got it? I don't know. He's aging. He's at that age where yeah. it's, it's either you're going to extend your career for another World Cup cycle, or actually it's just going to peter out, and and within. You know, two years he won't be in the island mm. squad. So, so it depends how he sort of takes yeah. it. I think. And you look at the tight head, tight head position, and you, you don't really see many names past no. past uh, Ty Furlong and Thomas Francis. So I think it's a toss up between the two because um, you can't really have Dan Cole in there, can you? Even no. though he has such a fantastic few games. Is uh, is Schumann from Schumann's a loose head? He's a loose head. Loose head, yeah. yeah. But that, that's a good shout for loose head. Um, 
but I, I think he, yeah, he had a really good World Cup he in did, a Scotland yeah. team that didn't excel that well. He was one of their like gems amongst the rough, if you will. Mm. Um, but no, I think you can't really look past that Irish from row. Um, yeah. who, who would you reckon we're gonna? I think we're gonna go Porter, Dan Sheehan, and then for for Tighthead. I don't mind. I, I'm happy to go. We'll with. keep them. We'll keep them. Yeah. Ty Furlong. He's he's such a good player, and he has been for so yeah. many years. We'll take an aging, tiring. Like so we think the fans have got the front three right. Let's yeah. have a look at the second row. Who have they gone for? They've got Mario Itoje in the number four shirt and then Tyg Byrne in the five shirt. Don't really see a problem with that. No, I think that's fine. I think Itoje deserves his spot. Uh, albeit, you know, being a little bit off the pace in the last year, we thought just one or two uh, paces off. But actually, I think if you're going to pick it now, there aren't that many other players that get in there. And then again, Tyg Byrne. Can't, can't argue. Can't argue with no. it. He he is the epitome of a British and Ireland Irish line second row. Um, just a hard hitting, ferocious player who's always getting to the breakdown. Yeah. And as well as Toje, we talked about him and the the leadership role that he's putting upon himself is it's showing, and I think he deserves that spot. So um, those two together, unarguably. Uh, yeah. Really. And because you know Alan Wynne Jones retired earlier, uh, well, yeah, earlier Last in the year. year. Yeah. Oh, earlier this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before the World Cup. The Wales haven't quite sorted out their um, second rows yet. I mean, they've got Will Rowlands, so yeah. who's fantastic. But... He's, he's come out in the last couple of years it, very quickly, but I think there's not enough experience there just yet. Mm. And I think probably the same could be said with Scotland. They chop and change quite a bit. You know, yeah. the greys come in and, and out. And again, they don't have a, a set second row like these two here. That you know, Like a pedestal who yeah. you can... You, you know he's got that shirt. You're not going to drop a Toje no. for the England team, and you're probably not going to drop. Well, you hope not, but you don't. You never know with Borthwick well, at the moment, yeah, do you? You don't know, yeah. but he's a player that is actually you know, first on the team sheet. Yeah, job done. He could, be, if he wanted it, he probably could be England captain. But political and stuff, I don't know how it works. <laughs> but yeah, I think the second rows are happy with that. Yeah, so five from five so far. Mm. Who have they got in the back row? So they've gone for Tom Curry at uh, six, which is a bit interesting. I thought he would be picked at seven. But then Jack Morgan is at seven, and then uh, Caelan Doris at number eight. Well, you can, you can shuffle them all around. I mean, Doris could play six or seven yeah. Carney as well. Um, in terms of that back row, what, what do you think? I would... I'd only keep... I'd only definitely 100% keep Tom Curry, personally. Okay. Um, he, which is actually, he's the the lowest percentage picked in the whole team with seventeen percent. You're a big Tom Curry fan, aren't you? I am. Yeah, mm. I just think he's so good. He's like a, a a Lewis Moody. He just gets everywhere. He will put his heart and soul into absolutely sixty minutes, seventy minutes, eighty minutes, however long he's playing for. Uh, and even if he's tired at sixty, he'll just keep going and he won't stop. Obviously, walking off the pitch after that South Africa game, he was he was battered, wasn't he? Was he was half and bruised. Half a man. Half alive. Yeah, I know. So I think he's got to be in there. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I think he's such a ferocious player. Um, he He's just everywhere. He's always break down. He's always been a threat on and off the ball. Mm. Um, even playing for sale, the Curry brothers, always getting on the ball together. Yeah. Little tip-offs to each other. It's fantastic to see. It's like when they're, they must have been kids <laughs> in, in the back garden, just passing it around to each yeah. other. Um, but it, probably it, just tackling each other I oh, yeah, that's just, why they're so good yeah. just beat each other Rough up and tumble. Um, but with the back row obviously there's so many options Caelan Doris and Jack Morgan but I'm going to throw two more names in there mm-hmm. Ben Earl and Josh Van der Fleer yeah I agree with that I don't the, I do not know why Jack Morgan's there for me it's nonsensical personally I think 27% 
must be the quarter of the people that are Welsh because I don't I don't know he's only played he's played less than 15 games for Wales he, he's got a lot of hype around him yeah. but I, I don't know it's if it's whether he's just a fantastic player in an underperforming team whether or whether he's just such a star player because this Wales team has been pretty average and pretty flat mm. yes they, they played well at times this World Cup and obviously they got out of the group um, but I don't know whether he's just living up to the hype I, I, th- I think he's He's obviously a very good player, but whether he's as good as what people say, it's, we, haven't, we haven't been able to see that yet. Yeah, I don't see it. He could have played five unbelievable games in the World Cup, and then you know everyone goes, he's the best player in the world. He gets into a, a game against a proper team. You know, Let's not say Fiji and Australia aren't proper teams, but Australia were a shadow of the team they've been before, and Fiji was, uh, what, second time they got to the semi-finals? Mm. Um, and Wales only just beat them. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know where that sort of thought process has come from, and also to be captain as well. Uh, it, re- it doesn't really make sense, does no. it? When you when you look at the players and the the caliber around them. I mean, I mean, even the other six players we've just said would be in a team. You could say Curry has been the England captain before. I said Atoje could be captain. I don't know whether they would give it to him. I feel like any the front row potentially, you know, give give it to Ty, Ty Furlong's been around yeah. for for donkeys years, hasn't it? Rather than Jack Morgan, I don't. Yeah, I don't really get that. Yeah. So so, so for me, I'm picking Van der Fleer over yeah. him. Would you put Van der Fleer at the seven and keep Curry at six? So I'd then? keep Curry at six. Um, I know how big of a Curry fan you are, so we'll agree <laughs> on that. We'll go for Van der Fleer at seven, yeah. just because he's just come off the back of World Player of the A's. Fantastic, even in the World Cup when. The, the Ireland got knocked out in the quarterfinals. He was still fantastic. Yeah. His little red scrum hat was everywhere. I know we uh, said he he's not had the best year, but he's still been, oh, for his standard. Yeah, he hasn't had the best year, but in terms of a, a collective, mm. he's been fantastic. Uh-huh. And at number eight, after his World Cup, I'm going Ben Al. <laughs> I, th- I think he's he is England's live wire, and you can't really turn him away from this Lions team. The Ben Al hype train. The Ben Al hype train. Well, it started in the Prem when he won won Player of the Year, and yeah. then. I mean, he never really got his chance under Eddie Jones, did he? And now Borthwick's coming and he's he's really said, you know what, go, go and play your game. And he has done. But he's kept the hype train going because he played brilliantly on Saturday, as absolutely. we just said, for, for Saris. You know, him and Atoji were absolutely everywhere. So, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, Doris, I think he's played, he started every game this year for Ireland and obviously they've had a great year. But I don't know, it, it just seems... It doesn't seem to stand out like a Curry does. Mm. Um, obviously, he's a number eight, so I guess it's more of the, the carrying than the tackling. But when you stick the stats up, you know, sometimes he's there and there about some tackles or turnovers. But I don't know. I I don't see him being an exceptional number eight. I, I see what, why he's been that yeah. team for a good few years now. He, he's a very consistent player. Mm. But when you have someone like Ben, ben Earl, who's such a versatile threat on and off the ball, you can't really say no. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to put Ben Earl in there. So I think. we'll go Ben Earl, Ben Earl, and Josh Van der Fleer. Two changes into the back row. Mm-hmm. Um, so we agree with six out of the six out of the eight forwards. Yeah. Okay. So the fans have done all right. Job. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, move on, scrum half and fly half. Who have they gone for in the half back duo? Uh, they've got Jameson Gibson Park at number nine, and then Finn Russell at fly half. Again, not bad. Um, I think Jameson Gibson Park. You can't argue with in terms of the nines that we have at the moment in uh, for the British and Irish lands. I think it's it's going to be him or even one of the Scottish duo, ben, yeah. ben White or Ali Price. I don't think you can look really at the England ones 
and the Welsh ones again they sort of just chop and change all the time they do you know Reese Webb was out and then he's come back in and then Gareth Davis yeah, always there or thereabouts they've got rid of Alan Jones uh, is that, no Alan Davis sorry Alan Davis um, yeah. you know there's about five of them there that have played in the last two years so I think they're not really stuck on the Welsh shirt so they probably mm. can't be nailed on for the the Lions shirt. Whereas you look at Gibson Park, and he's since, since Murray's really be, become a bit older, he's really fulfilled that mm-hmm. Lions shirt. Even when he's been playing in twenty one, yeah. he's been there or thereabouts for that Ireland team for the last five six years, and it's shown because he's such a good player. Yeah, you know, if we were picking this in a year and a half before the actual uh, tour, that name you just said, Ben White, I think could come into the picture because I think he's been really promising for Scotland uh, in the last year that he's come into the team. Uh, running rings around some teams uh, and so I think he's got real potential to potentially book a space this year or if not in the next tour because he's still really young he's a fantastic player um, he was a he was playing at London Irish before they folded but yeah he was he was fantastic yeah I think but I'm happy with Gibson Park to be honest I think it speaks for himself the fact he pushed Conor Murray out and has kept the place ever since happy for that now fly half this is yeah. This is where I'm going to throw in a bit of a curveball. Ooh. I would have Marcus Smith starting for the Lions. Right now? Right now. Right now, and he's not even starting for England. He's not starting for England. But with, with the with the playmakers they've got, <clears throat> and we'll come on to them with the Bundyaki and Ringrose, I think Smith would excel in this team. Yeah, I mean, that is a good point, having Bundyaki and Ringrose. But I guess with Finn Russell, it's he's got... In that Scotland team, the same calibre of players outside him as well, hasn't he? You've got like Hugh Jones. Tui Pilotu as <coughs> the effective equivalent Bundyaki, and as you say, Hugh Jones as, as 13 alongside, well, equivalent to Gary Ringro. So, I mean, he didn't have the greatest World Cup, Finn Russell, but we know what he can do. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. And I just think he might have a bit more of a level head than Marcus Smith. Um, I feel like if you had Smith on the bench, that would be brilliant because if they're losing and you give them 20 minutes, 15 minutes, he'll probably go and win you the game. Mm. But to start from start a Lions test, I think you probably need a bit more experience. Yeah, well, Marcus Smith, he, he brings so much to a game in, in terms of creative standpoint. Like mm. He can, as you say, if he comes on with 20 minutes to go, I'll more than welcome that if we're, if we're starting Finn Russell. Um, but in terms of creativity, I, I just think there's no one better than him. Like we know, we know what Finn Russell can do on the ball, um, and he's one of the best in the world on his day. But I think Marcus Smith in a team like this, where he's got a more free roam role with such a, such exceptional talent around him, I think he'd thrive. I think he would. But imagine Finn Russell gets the ball, puts a little dink over, and you've got Ringrose gassing it to and LRZ as well. You know, I think that would be unbelievable. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll 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 agree with Finn Russell then. Well, okay. maybe I was a. Uh, Going a bit too bold with Marcus Smith, but we'll have him on <laughs> our bench. Hard. We'll yeah. have him on our bench. Um, 12 and 13 speaks for itself. I yeah. don't think we can argue that. I think best 12 and best 13 at the moment in... Probably certain, in world rugby, yeah. to be honest. I mean, Certainly in the, the British and Irish uh, our, our Rugby World Cup team, or our fantasy team of the year, featured Bundyaki and Gary Ringrose. Um, so you can't drop them now. Can't, can't, can't have both. <laughs> I think we had Jesse Creel and Geordie Barrett knocking on the door as well. Yeah. But... Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a toss-up between the four of them and you can't really argue with those two, can you? So I think that's that's pretty good. And yeah, Bundyaki got 74% of the vote, which I think is the highest, voted, highest voted player there. Um, so, I mean, he's nailed on for, for everyone. 12 show, yeah. yeah. Wings then, yeah. what are we thinking? Final. So we'll move on to the back row. Um, 
of the back three. Duane van der Meuren, Louis Rousseau and Hugo Keenan. Now, for me, I think each of those players complement the other perfectly. I think Duane van der Meuren is your, your wrecking ball 11. Mm. Um, he's, he offers a different style of play um, to someone like Louis Rousseau, who's just pure get the ball to him and let him run. Wheels. Whereas van der Meuren comes inside gets on the ball, acts as like another, another play, uh, not playmaker, but another threat in the centres, if you will, like a Jack Noll kind of mm-hmm. centre. Um, and then you've got Hugo Keenan, who is a fantastic distributor, can offer as a, as a secondary playmaker at times. Yeah. And if you have someone like Marcus Smith on the bench who can play at 15, you've got, you've got uh, three players there who are very good fundamental playmakers. Mm. I think the 15 shirt is pretty nailed on. For Keenan, there's not many other players across the other three nations that uh, that hop in there. It's so surprising because Freddie Stewart's been there or thereabouts in the team of the year for the last few years. Now. Yeah, uh, I guess in the World Cup he did get you know he got drops completely from the 23 because he wasn't quite what England were looking for in various games. So I think Hugo Keenan coming in relatively, um, he's only been there for for. A, small while but he's earned his stripes exactly yeah he's come straight in and made a huge impact and that's why the island defense looks so strong because mm. whenever the opposition puts any kicks up you've got he's him there. in the back he's yeah. there and he, he can offer himself an attack as well it's not just under the high ball in defense i mean he's he's fantastic he's so fast as mm. well and he's got a pretty reliable boot yeah you know um, I've, I've seen him hit a few 50 20s in the six nations yeah. Yeah. and obviously with uh with james low outside of him uh, he's those two are fantastic mm-hmm. together, and then um, Matt Hansen on the other wing as well. That that back three for Ireland, you could you could include them all. Well, I was going to say potentially including one of those two, Low or Mac or Hansen, for Van der Meer or Reece Summit, but I don't really know which one to drop. I think if if any, if any, I think it. with Reece Summit, he's he's so fast. Yes, he's a one-dimensional player, and not not everyone likes him. But he's he's such a such an explosive player that we kind of need someone like that if we're if we're going to the southern hemisphere and we're we're facing all these uh, unbelievably quick wingers. We want someone to counteract them, mm. um, and I think he's the perfect option. And then we've got Duan van der Merwe who just provides something different. And yeah. Maybe you could say James Lowe in for him because they are a similar kind of player where they come inside and try and get on the ball a bit. But I th- I think van der Merwe is just. Such a ferocious player. I think we can't not have him. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to agree with that. I think both yeah both of them deserve their places in the team. And Van der Merwe sort of reminds me of a George North player back in Australia the last time he went. Yeah. Uh, where he with the ball then sort of tackled Israel Falau. Oh, uh, when he lift, lifted lifted yeah. him on his shoulder. I just said I'm going to the try line. I'm bringing you you're with you're me. You're coming with you know, me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so there it is. We we seem to agree with all the backs there. So yeah. seven from seven in the back line. Um, so overall, just two alterations, and they were our number seven and number eight with Josh van der Fleer and Ben Earl pipping Jack Morgan and Kaylin Doris to the spots. Yeah. Thoughts overall on the team that we've chose? Very Irish. Very Irish. <laughs> Very, Very Irish. Irish. Good good word to sum it up. Um, um, you'd expect that though, wouldn't you? Nine yeah. Irish, if I counted correctly. Front row then. Um, we've got a tie burn in the tie burn. Josh Van der Fleer. nine, twelve, thirteen, and fifteen. Yeah, correct. Nine Irishmen. Tom Curry, Atoje, and Earl. Three Englishmen. Three Englishmen. A couple Scots in there. Two ben Scots. Russell, Dan Van der Moer, and then Louis Sam bringing it up to the Welsh. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
So that is our first podcast post Rugby World Cup. Um, mm. We've covered uh, a bit of bit of stuff on the Prem, did a little quiz, and then stuff about the recent team selection for well, fan selected team for the British and Irish Lions. Uh, Archie, what's on today? Yeah, very good episode. Yeah. I'd actually quite like to see you know revisit this in a year and a half and see. How many of our got it team, right. Yeah, get in. God, God knows what we'll be doing in 18 months. Oh, my goodness. I don't yeah. even want to think about it. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. very good episode. Thanks for awesome. listening. Yeah, thank you for, for listening. Uh, of course, we'll be back next week um, with a slightly different podcast. We're having our first guest on next week, mm-hmm. um, which we, we won't say too much, but um, it's, a, it's a very important subject, which um, will be hopefully a very good listen. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, indeed, thanks for listening. Goodbye from me. Yeah, and goodbye from me as well. <laughs>